Let's have a word of prayer together. Father God, it is good that we can come before you and we can pray in your son's precious name. Lord God, we lift up to you your word. We pray that it is declared with all of its power just for what it says. Would you be present here in this place through your Holy Spirit? Work within us. Work within our heads and our hearts. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What's in a name? Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor better than silver or gold. What's in a name? When someone's name is spoken, it can evoke intense emotions, can't it? When you think about who that person is, you associate the name with the person. Let me give you two names and see if it works. Donald Trump. Barack Obama. Okay, whichever side of the fence you're on, there you just went, oh, yeah, right? A name evokes things within us. We named our son. And yes, I already asked his permission to embarrass him this morning. We named our son Elijah Bahram Jacobson. Elijah. Yahweh is my God. That's what the name Elijah means. Bahram. It's the name from his grandfather's side of the family. His grandfather is Persian. It's the name of a great Persian king. Jacobson. It's from his father, son of Jacob. Because even though we're a Gentile family, even from these stones, God is able to raise up children for Abraham. There can be a lot to a name, can't there? Much depth and richness, much meaning. A name can characterize a person, and at least in part, it can direct the course of their life. And in our culture today, we think, eh, not so much. No, no, I really can't. But even in today's society, studies have shown that whatever we name our children, if it's popular or, or uh, sounds good at the time, it actually affects their employment opportunities in the future. As bosses will sit down with a stack of resumes and they'll shoot through them as quickly as they can and they see certain names and certain names give advantages in certain lines of work. It may not be good, but it is what it is. A name can, can affect us the rest of our lives. In the Old Testament, God had great regard for his own name as he commanded that it not be used in vain. And the Hebraic culture had an understanding that a person and their name are inseparable. The, the, the name is the embodiment of the person to whom it belonged. As we examine the passage in front of us today, let's regain a sense of the value of the name of Jesus, who is Lord and Christ. Today, we should recognize that the name of Jesus is powerful. It is potent. The name of Jesus is necessary. And the name of Jesus is also divisive. It's a big passage. I'm going to read all the way through two chapters, so stay seated. I'm going to start at chapter 3, verse 1. Hold tight and pay attention. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... 
If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of that which we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city... There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness, with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they all were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The reading of God's word. Did you see how many times the name, uh, the name of Jesus was used and, and that particular phrase, the name of Jesus? How many times it appears in those two chapters Chapter 3, verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. 3.16 says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him perfect health. 4.10 Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, this man is standing before you well. 4.12, 
And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. 4.18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. 4.30. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. There's something about that name. Our faith is Christ-centered. It's all about him what he has done for us, and what he continues to do for us. And yet, in today's society, it's so much more often used as a curse word. It's so much more often used in vain. The name of Jesus is not a curse word. It it is not to come off of our lips irreverently. Or foolishly. The name of Jesus is potent. The name of Jesus is powerful. Let's look at why. When when we see in this passage, when, when we read through it, we see a lame man healed. We see a man healed. He he was born lame. And, and he grew into his infirmity. His his legs and his ankles were weak. He could not walk. For how long? Forty years. The, thing, the miracle was done to a man who was over 40 years old. We can see in this passage that it is a biblical fact. If you are over 40 years old, you are super duper old. Look at ver- chapter 4, verse 22, if you need confirmation. How could this possibly be done? It was not the apostles who did it. Chapter 3, verse 12, they say, Why do you look at us as if by our own power or piety we did this? Well, if it wasn't the apostles when they were standing there and told him to get up and walk, who was it that did this? Well, that was the question of the rulers and elders in chapter 4, verse 7, wasn't it? Look with me at 3.16. What does Peter say? He says, And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Chapter 4, verse 10, addressing the rulers themselves, he says, chapter 4, verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. How could this be done? Who did it? It was Jesus. It was in Jesus' name. Who is this Jesus? Well, Peter says it in 3.14. He says, you denied the holy and righteous one. Holy and righteous one. Who is holy? Who is righteous? In chapter 3, verse 20, he calls him the Christ. The Christ appointed for you. Who is this Christ? Who is he to be, according to the Old Testament? Isaiah seven fourteen says that He's to be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us, right? Jesus is the Christ 
is God with us? Who is holy and righteous except for God alone? In 3.15, Peter makes a very bold statement. He says, and you killed the author of life. See, through creation and through the resurrection, we see that Jesus Christ is the author of life. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. It's one of my favorite passages. I know I've brought it before you several times already. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn there means He's preeminent. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He created everything that is created. He was the first one to rise again because he had the authority to give up his life, to lay it down, and he had the authority to take it back again because he is God Almighty. No one could keep his life from him. He is the author of life. Jesus is God. He wrote the book of life. And inasmuch as his name is the embodiment of the person of Christ, his name is not just potent, it is omnipotent. In this miracle of a man who is healed, we have a display of the almighty power of God. He is able to bend the laws of physics because he is the one who put them into place in the first place. This man was born lame, according to chapter 3, verse 2. And now he has perfect health. No scars. Nothing resembling that he was ever once lame. Perfectly restored. Not a doctor today can do that. He was able to walk. He was able to leap, even though he was over 40. Shock and awe, right? I should probably stop jumping off the stage at this point. This miracle bears witness to the fact that Jesus Christ, the name of Christ, Jesus himself is not dead. He is good. He is able. And he is risen. Oh, come on. You know the right response. He is risen. There we go. He is risen indeed. He's alive. Does this not bring joy to our hearts? As the living God, Jesus is quite able to accomplish anything he sets himself to, particularly following through on the kingdom plan, the spread of his gospel that he set forth from eternity past. Because he is God, risen, alive, and able to act, he is therefore able to give the disciples anything they need, anything necessary to accomplish their calling to witness to the whole world about him. So now... If God has called us to fill the gap, the disciples aren't with us anymore. We talked about that several weeks ago. Who's to fill that gap until Christ returns? We are. We are his disciples. We are his ambassadors here on earth. If he's laid upon us this task of of bearing witness to Jesus Christ, 
And if he's just as alive today as he ever has been, he will surely give us anything necessary to accomplish that task here and now today. When we call upon the name of Jesus, we call upon the name of God himself, who said to us in Romans chapter 8.32, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. If you need proof of how much God loves you and how much God will do for you to accomplish his tasks here on earth, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He has the gifts. He has the words we don't think we have. He has the strength. He has the energy. He can enable us by his spirit that lives within us to accomplish the witnessing to the ends of the earth that we are called to do. Now, his name is not a magic word. It's not a tool to get for ourselves what we want. We can't invoke his name to gain our own heart's desires. We can't say to him, God, I could just serve you better if I had a good vacation in the Poconos and went to the shore for three months and then had that Porsche and the big screen TV. Then, Lord, then I could serve you. Now, the prosperity gospel is a lie. If anybody's told you that on this earth you should prosper materially because you are a Christian, they lied to you. God does have a wonderful plan for your life to serve him marvelously in the spread of his gospel. But that doesn't mean we're going to prosper on this earth. Perhaps we don't witness the miraculous because we are too often set on our own tasks and, on, and not on the things of God. Do we work in his name or in our own strength? Are we seeking his desires and goals or our own when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ? Perhaps we could witness the miraculous if we stood constantly and consistently on his name with his will at the forefront of our heart's desires. For we do not call upon the name of a dead God, but upon the name of the risen Lord of all creation, the author of life, the holy and righteous one, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. F.F. Bruce recounts a story in, in his commentary on Acts about Thomas Aquinas, an early church father, who once went to see Pope Innocent II when the Pope was counting out a large sum of money. The Pope turned to Thomas and said, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. To which Thomas replied, True, neither can she now say, Rise and walk. The church loses its potency when we get our eyes off of our given purpose, our given reason for existence when we set ourselves about our own things and our own strength and forget our dependency upon the power and purposes of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is both powerful and necessary. 
Throughout this narrative, we see the idea that the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ was the most necessary part of God's plan of salvation for mankind, and that God knew it. He foreknew it. It was his predestined plan that Christ would be sacrificed in our place. It was his plan all along. As Peter addresses the crowd and he reminds them in chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 and 17 through 26, this was God's plan all along. Look at with me at uh, 318. He says, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. God knew it. This was all part of his plan all along. And Peter addresses the Sadducees, the rulers and scribes in chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Look with me at 4.11 in particular. It says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And in quoting that, he's quoting Psalm 118.22. Psalm 118.22 that says the stone that has been rejected is now the cornerstone. He ties everything that has been happening back to the Old Testament prophets, and he says to them, This is God's plan. God foreknew it. In their prayer, they say that this was God's predestined plan. God wants it known publicly and without a doubt that the name of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross in our place, that that his name, the Lord and Christ, is necessary, absolutely necessary for salvation. 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this was God's intention all along. The disciples understood the necessity of his name and it gave them strength to preach the gospel with clarity and conviction. Under any circumstances, many a pastor, many a Christian has been brought before the television screen, brought before the court of public opinion, and having not fully grasped the absolute necessity of Jesus, the absolute necessity of salvation in his name, they flounder and they fail and they say things like, oh, the Muslims and the Mormons and and the Christians, we all worship the same God. We're all one big family. They fail to understand this verse right here that is clear as day. There is no other name. There is no coexist. There is no other way. There is no many paths to God. We don't choose. God makes the rules. Solus Christus. Sola fide. Sola gratia. Sola scriptura. Soli Deo gloria. Sorry, that's a little Reformation quote there for you. Christ alone. Faith alone. Grace alone, Scripture alone, and to God the glory alone. God sent his son to die on a cross. Not just to give us another option, but because it was necessary for the price of our sin to be paid. See, back in the garden, God said, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. Which means if you sin against God, if you go against him, the wages of our sin is death. 
If we do anything wrong before God in this life, we deserve death. And surely, we have all sinned and we all deserve that punishment. If you're not sure, come tonight. We're looking at Psalm 15. The whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament points toward this plan of God. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The prophets have proclaimed this plan of God. Peter says here in this passage, chapter 3, 17 through 26, this had to happen. There is no other way. The sacrifice in our place had to be both equal and infinite. Do you understand that? The sacrifice to cover our sins for all time, for all humankind, had to be both equal and infinite. How else could this happen unless God himself took on flesh to make a sacrifice that would be both equal and infinite? It had to be man for man, flesh for flesh, hanging on that cross that he could be in our place as a man. It had to be infinite that it would be able to cover all the sins for all time that he would be able to taste death for everyone. As infinite God hung on that cross for us, presenting a sacrifice of infinite and eternal value as his blood was spilt. There is no other way. Only God's way. The name of Jesus is absolutely necessary for salvation, and there is no salvation apart from his name. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. Have you accepted that gift of salvation in his name? And this fact, this clear necessity, creates a dividing line in our fallen culture where everyone would rather do what is right in their own eyes and pick their own path. The name of Jesus is divisive. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, starting at 51, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. See, when the name of Jesus is proclaimed in truth, some will have their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit and they will trust in the name of Jesus for their salvation. Look at chapter 4, verse 4 says, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Some will trust in Jesus for their salvation, but others, others will be outright offended. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, as they were speaking to the people, the priests And the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching people and proclaiming Jesus, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. They didn't like it. They they, they boldly look the truth of Jesus Christ in the face and they flat out deny it for the sake of their own self-preservation here on this earth. For economic and political reasons, they liked their cushy life. They liked being in control. They liked being honored by all the people. They wanted these things. Some we share the gospel with will be saved 
and some will not. And let's remember what we talked about a few weeks ago to abandon the false calling. We are not called to save everyone. In fact, we are not called to save anyone. Who is it that does the saving? It's Jesus. It is God. Chapter 2, verse 39. Chapter 2, verse 47. God is the one who calls. God is the one who adds to his body, the church. But we are called to bear witness to the name of Jesus clearly and defiantly in the face of the culture that surrounds us. How do I find strength to do that? Uh, What if they get mad at me? What if they get angry with me the way the religious leaders did here? What if they throw handcuffs on me and cart me off to jail? How do I have the strength to do this? Call out to the name of Jesus Christ. Pray quietly to him for strength. Remembering that the name of Jesus is powerful. He is the living God, able to help us in our time of need. Desiring to work in this world through you, through me, through us as a church body here in Alden. The name of Jesus is necessary. Let that drive us in the proclamation of Jesus Christ and of salvation in Christ alone. Apart from him, people will have to pay the price for their own sin. They will have to be condemned to hell for eternity. Apart from Christ, there's no soft option. Let that drive us. Do we want that for them? As angry as they might get with us, we know how badly they need this. It's it's like taking a child to the doctor. They are sick, but they don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want a shot. They don't want a surgery, but they've got to go that they might get better. So we take them because we love them and we are their parents. There's a world out there that if they don't get Jesus Christ... There is no doctor that can heal them. They will be paying the price for their sins in hell for the rest of their lives, eternity. Let these two things, the potency and the necessity of Jesus Christ's name, push us forward to speak it, even though it's divisive in this world. Now, something to think about. The name of Jesus Christ is significant to our daily walk. In his name, we are saved. In his name, we find grace, mercy, hope, eternal life. In his name, the apostles were able to heal. In his name, they could boldly proclaim the gospel truth. His name is great and to be honored. Can we do what we do on a daily basis in the name of Jesus Christ? Maybe we don't call upon the name of Christ that often because we know that our focus isn't necessarily his in what we're doing or where we are at. Can I eat this or drink that in Jesus' name? Can can I have that 20th Oreo in Jesus' name? Is, Is that my own selfish desire or is that 20th Oreo really for God's own glory? Can I participate in just this one gossip session in Jesus' name? Are there some things, some times, some places in our lives that we just wouldn't want Jesus involved in? 
Can I go to that website in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Whatever I do as a Christian, I need to ask myself, can I do this in Jesus' name? The name of Jesus doesn't match our every circumstance that we get ourselves into, does it? But it should. The name of Jesus is still powerful in our lives, not just unto salvation, but to keep us from walking in sin, to preserve us as his people. His name serves as a reminder of who we are in him, that his spirit is alive in us to protect us from the consequences of our sinful flesh that will continue to tempt us and drive us away from him. To this day, his name is powerful, necessary, and divisive. Let's walk in his name together as a family and as individuals. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for the name of Jesus Christ, for the power of that name, for the potency, the omnipotency of that name. And that, Lord, you have given him the name that is above every other name, that at his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Give us strength, Lord, we pray. Help us to remember the potency and the necessity of that name as we, as we talk to those in our soil, as we talk to those in our lives, that we should, would share him boldly, confidently, knowing what they need. Give us strength, Lord. It's hard. It's hard. As easy it is as it is to preach, it's hard, and we need your spirit in us. We need you to give us strength minute by minute, day by day. So we lay these things at your feet in his name. Amen.